Hi everyone, I'm David Green, Managing Partner for the Insight 222 People Analytics Programme. Welcome to Episode 4 of Series 15 of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. In research we undertook last year at Insight 222 to investigate the future of workforce planning, nearly all companies surveyed, 90%, expressed a desire to build a skills-based workforce planning process. However, only a quarter of companies, just 26%, were actively doing so. One company that is successfully harnessing skills data to inform workforce planning and learning and drive business outcomes such as safety, compliance and productivity is Tata Steel. My guest on this week's episode of the podcast is Joanne Kuypers, manager of the Tata Steel Academy based in the Netherlands. In our conversation, Joanne and I discuss how Tata Steel visualizes skills data and makes it actionable for managers. We talk about some of the key considerations in a build versus buy approach to closing skills gaps. We dig into the public-private approach to upskilling and reskilling in the Netherlands. And we look at how companies should approach the measurement and utilization of skills data. This episode is a must listen for anyone interested or involved in operationalizing skills data to support learning and consequently benefit the business and the workforce. So that's CHROs and anyone in their learning, people analytics, workforce planning, or HR business partner role. This series of the Digital HR Leaders podcast is sponsored by AG5. AG5 helps clients visualize and close their skills gaps. But how? By clearly mapping their workforce's current skills and tracking progress against business requirements to get their organization ready for the future and stay compliant. With AG5 skills intelligence software, you can create clear cross-company skills matrices and dashboards within a centralized skills hub, integrating data from other HR and learning tools. Moving away from unmanageable spreadsheets, AG5 provides clear, concise, and audit-proof skills matrices that make workforce management easy and convenient. To learn more, visit ag5.com. That's letter A, letter G5.com. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Joanne Kuypers, uh, manager of the Tata Steel Academy to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Welcome to the show, Joanne. It's great to have you here. Uh, can you provide listeners with a brief introduction to yourself and your role at Tata Steel? Thank you for having me, David. I'm very delighted to be on your show. Um, yeah, my name is Joanne Kuypers, um, and I'm the manager of the Tata Steel Academy in the Netherlands. Um, I've been with the company for a little bit over three years now. Um, and at the Tata Steel Academy, we basically do everything that involves around education and training for the company. Uh, so, for example, at the, at the academy, we educate uh, about 170 uh, apprentices every year um, as we have our own company school. Um, we are also responsible for the capability policies of the company and also the management system behind it. And of course, we deliver trainings, um, thousands and thousands of trainings, actually, uh, um, uh, on the job, most of them, uh, yeah. but also in our training center. So um, so we also organize them centrally um, if we can. So that's basically what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and just an interesting, I know it's, it's it, it, 
training obviously had to change a little bit over the last sort of 12 to 15 months are you now also delivering a lot of training virtually as well is that something you've had to build in absolutely yeah because before it was still a bit more traditional everybody coming to classroom and they get their their lectures uh, from the trainer and of course also workshops yeah uh, but we needed to be creative now so a lot of trainings have been uh, remote um, or a combination of them. So sometimes we did still train because it needs to be practical as well, especially the company school. It was still open, but in small groups of uh, apprentices that we would still give them practical uh, training. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of remote training as well. So we really learned a way around uh, all the different things that you can do uh, digitally. Yeah, so that's, that's I think... A, beautiful side effect of uh well a horrible crisis yeah 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 and i i think one of the there's so many things that we could talk about the crisis but i think one thing it's shown is that actually we could be quite adaptable as humans um you know to given the situation that, that we've been in and um and i guess the other thing that's interesting is you know if we didn't have access to the technology that we've got access to now let's say this had happened five years ago or something it would have been really difficult a for to just do work you know without you know things like we're on today the platform we're on today um but b for for training it would have been even more of a challenge i guess to to, to be able to to be flexible uh, and shift mm-hmm. to do some of it remotely yeah i think so too so we would be much more behind than we are today yeah yeah we're going to talk a lot about some of the work that you're doing um, in the Tata Steel Academy and, and that kind of whole topic around skills, which is such a, a big topic at the moment. It was before the pandemic and it, it will continue to be, I think, for the foreseeable future. You know, how important is it to to understand the skills that you have available uh, available to you in the organisation? Well, I think it's one of the basic requirements for our company to keep production going. Um, First of all, the available skills are important because of safety and quality reasons. Well, first and foremost, safety. We want uh, our colleagues to be safe. Um, That means, of course, knowing the safety rules, but also uh, all the risks. But also the more technical safety that there is, for instance, um, working on high voltage or hydraulics. So it is very important that people have the, the, the right skills for, for safety reasons. Uh, second of all, um, um, we want to make the best steel in the world. <laughs> so we also need well-trained people to, um, uh, to, to know how to make high-quality steel and to have a good process uh, and production process in, in place. Um, for example, if um, one of our installations falls out because... Uh, we did something wrong at the installation. Uh, this costs lots and lots of money, basically every minute that the installation stands still uh, because we make huge amounts of steel. Um, so it's very important for us to have a stable production process. So it's very important for us to have the right operators, but also the right maintenance uh, skills uh, that if there is a problem that they, that they can solve it immediately. Yeah. Um, so that is the first uh, big reason why it is so important for us to have the skills um, and to to have um, 
enough available skills in our company. Uh, but second of all, it's also very important for our license to operate and our license to sell, as we say in our company. Um, the first one, our license to operate, is that we need to demonstrate in audits um, from the point of view from our government that our uh, workforce is well-educated and trained um, yep. so that they are really uh, skilled for the tasks that they uh, need to do. Um, and our license to sell is from the viewpoint of our customers. They have very high uh, quality standards. So also they audit us um, to, to see if we have uh, demonstrable skills in our company and that uh, the people that I work uh, in our company are skilled. So it's also very important for that point of view that, um, that we can demonstrate that our people are, um, are, are trained. And I guess for the, your employees, your people, the workforce itself, it's important because, you know, you, uh, and again, maybe you test this through um, engagement surveys and, and, other, and other means, you know, if people feel that they're, they're well trained and developed, then they're, they're motivated and engaged to do their work and, and maybe more likely to stay as well. So is there, is there other those sort of factors that you're looking at as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that I really noticed when I started working at this company um, was that there's a real learn culture. So from day one, people get very familiar with the fact that you need to train, 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 educate, develop yourself. Um, there are a lot of career opportunities in our company um, uh, because it is a big company. So <laughs> the sky's the limit. Um, you can also really change your career if you want to. Um, um, and there's so there's a lot of opportunity for people because of training, because of education to also uh, yeah, get into their career. Um, and grow and grow. We, we have people that started as an apprentice in, in our school and are now at the management. Um, so you see how they evolve and develop themselves in the company. Yeah. So it's absolutely a very important factor as well to, to have a happy workforce and an engaged workforce. And of course, understanding the skills people have allows you to, to think about those career pathways for, for people as well. And and I know you've been on a bit of a journey at, at Tata Steel to, to, to better understand the skills of your workforce. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Because it's a challenge that a lot of organizations are, are, are going through at the moment. Yeah, well, we are a 24-7 production company, so we work in shifts. Um, and for a line manager uh, to work with his team on a shift, it is essential that he knows all the skills available in his team. So it's not only about individual skills that people have, but it's also about uh, capabilities of the whole team. So what is available in my team? Uh, because it, in essence, it doesn't really uh, matter to the line manager if Peter is going to work on the crane or if Tom is doing that. It is much more that one person is able to be on that crane. Um, for us in our company, it's very important that people are qualified for the work that they do. It's a little bit like a driver's license. You can only drive a car on a public street uh, if you have a driver's license. That's the same with basically all the tasks in our company, in the factories. Uh, if it is about crane driving or lift forks or 
um, or doing tasks at an installation. Um, and for the line manager, it's very important to know which qualifications do I have on my team and, um, and also how many of them do I have? Yeah. Because he knows I need to have at least two crane drivers available at every shift that I'm working on. Um, um, because if one of them is on a holiday or sick, then he still knows that he can uh, do his production. So it's also very important for the line manager to have that overview. Um, we have been working with the digital learning management system for years, um, putting it in the system. But unfortunately, um, most learning management systems, I think, don't provide uh, such an overview. So they don't show uh, the capabilities, the skills, the qualifications of the whole team in a very uh, nice overview, in a matrix, actually. So what our, what our uh, line managers did all these years was putting it in Excel. Yeah. So they were <laughs> getting the information out of the learning management system and putting it in Excel. We are, of course, have a lot of technical people who like Excels as well. So they were always putting it in Excel. But the big problem about it is that, of course, they're not updating it every day because they're very busy with other stuff. So um, when we got an audit, but also for ourselves, um, it's not sensible to have two administrations, so to say you have your, your learning management system and you have your Excels in the factories. Yeah. Um, so this was not a good thing. Um, um, but the line manager said, well, I really need this, uh, this overview to work. So I need to have the information on, on my team and especially I need to know if I have enough qualifications on my team, if someone retires. I need to train someone else because I need the minimum. Yeah. Um, so um, then something great happened. And that is that we found this amazing tool that is doing exactly this. So um, this tool, AG5, a skills intelligence uh, software, it is basically putting all the information from our learning system into a matrix. That is what it does. And um, so it is a dashboard. It's not where we register things. We, we only show it in the dashboard. And you can see in one overview uh, as, a, as a manager, uh, your whole team, all the qualifications available. And you can also see the status of the qualifications. So you can see if it is required, if it is successfully met, um, if it's maybe already overdue because a lot of qualifications need to be repeated once in a yeah. while. Um, or if it's almost overdue so that you know as a manager, okay, I need to send Peter to the training again because in two months his license will um, expire. Yeah. Um, so uh, besides that, the tool also has some analytic uh, uh, tools in it, which is also very important for the line manager to just easily get the information if he wants to know something about a qualification he can just find it he can find immediately who has this qualification in my factory for instance um, and it's very very user friendly so it's very nice um, and um, we have now been rolling it out so we said to all the line managers throw away your excel sheets uh, we have something incredible um, and i think that we rolled it out now for 80 percent in all the factories, 
Um, it is it is something that they need to adapt to because they're not their digital skills are not that high, but fortunately yeah. is is very user friendly. Uh, but still, we need to learn them a little bit how it works. Uh, but it it is actually amazing what it does to people because finally they have the overview of their team and they can see what's in the system. Um, they put it in the system themselves, in the learning management system, but because they didn't have an overview, they didn't have any idea what was in there, actually. So um, I think, well, it feels like we're light years ahead now in our company um, because it was always Excel, so now, now we have have this uh, amazing new uh, analytics tool, yeah. And I guess see, you've got that at, at sort of group level or, or head office level, you've kind of got that overview as well. So you can see the teams all over the, all, all in the different factories. And that that probably helps inform, you know, maybe some of the training courses that you put on or the, the volume yeah. of training courses that you put on. And you can be a bit more proactive about, okay, these hundred people, their, their licenses are going to be coming up in the next six months. I'm just using a very simple example so we need to run at least five courses over the next six months because we can only have 20 people in each course for example to get these 100 people up to up to speed absolutely so and we can now for the first time also make easy comparison between the shifts because uh, we have five shifts on one installation and you can also see that there are differences between the shifts in the, co- the level of qualifications, um, how many uh, lift fault drivers they need. or uh, So we can now also compare this stuff and can also make analysis about uh, gaps that are there, so learning gaps, but also I think that we can make analysis now on the impact of training. So yeah. do we see that the performance of one shift is much lower than the other one? Uh, that can, can, there can be a million different reasons why this is, but maybe it is also about skills and about training. Yeah. So we can make good comparisons now. And, and um, so it is very interesting and important for us as well. Yeah. As a I think as you alluded to one of the challenges that you had at the start, you know, number one, it supports around scheduling shifts. So, you know, as you said, if someone's on holiday or someone leaves, for example, or retires, you know, you can say, okay, that person has these 15 skills. Let's look at where those 15 skills sit on the rest of the shift. Okay, we need to close the gap around five of these skills. So you can either bring people in from the outside or move people between shifts, I guess, or you can augment with training, uh, uh, I guess, as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it also helps us to analyze this, yeah, and to to become more flexible, actually, because you know now. Yeah, Yeah. it's that power of having the access to that information and and it being visualized in a way that you can use it if you're a a shift supervisor, but you can also use it, you know, if you're part of the the academy like like, like you or or if if you're involved in maybe longer-term workforce planning or even recruitment, I guess, as well. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So it will will help us much more in in basically all the processes that we have as HR, yeah, and also in the factories, of course, yeah. What, what have been the what's been some of the feedback you've had from some of the in the factories from some of the supervisors? 
Ooh, well, they're very excited, most of them. And especially it's so fun to notice that at some point they hear about it because we we rolled it out per factory because some of the factories, there are a thousand people working. So it's quite, quite big. Yeah. Um, um, So we decided to roll it out factory by factory by factory um, to make sure that we give enough attention to really introduce the tool to them because otherwise if they don't know it or they don't understand it they won't use it Um, um, so uh, but when we were starting at some of the factories other factories heard about it so then they were asking when are we when are when it's our turn when it's our turn so they're very excited and we see it more and more if uh, because more uh, factories are now using it that the other factories uh, learn about it and hear about it and they're really excited and they really want us to roll it out as soon as possible um so that's really nice to hear um mm. another thing that's very interesting as well is that you see that line managers get enthusiastic about training before it was a big hassle it was always um being a bit <laughs> negative about our learning management system that was also complicated, that it wasn't working. Um, and you see now that it's changing into, oh, this is actually pretty interesting. And now I can, now I understand also why I need to manage the capabilities in my team. It, yeah. So it's, it's uh, for the first, almost for the first time, it seems in years that they get something positive that, that really helps them to, to, to do their work because this is only just this part of their job, of course, if you're a line manager. So um, it, it's, it's lovely to make that as easy as possible. Yeah. And presumably it's saving them quite a lot of time. Absolutely. If they were updating their Excels, because some of them weren't, but um, yes, yes, yes. So, um, so absolutely. Yeah. Great. So, I mean, you, you hinted at it at the start. So let's maybe zoom out now a little bit and think about this, how the steel industry is changing more broadly. You know, there's a big shift in, in how steel is made, I, I understand. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the impact that this has on, on skills? Yeah, well, as probably everybody knows, as the steel industry in general is an old industry. Uh, our company in the Netherlands uh, erected more than 100 years ago, and in Britain it's even longer than that. Um, so in that respect, you could say that we're quite a traditional company, um, especially if you compare it to a startup tech company. Um, uh, but at the same time, we're also very innovative because we need to make our steel better, um, you know, stronger, lighter, more reliable. So we have a lot of uh, innovations to create new new types of steel. Um, um, and of course, also these innovations have an impact on, on, on skills. Uh, but you also see that the areas in which we work, for instance, maintenance um, is also changing because of technology. Um, so we go from traditional maintenance to smart maintenance and hopefully in the future to predictive maintenance. Um, this is changing the field completely because uh, maintenance becomes much more about censoring, about analyzing data. Um, so your whole job um, as a maintenance engineer, for instance, changes. Yeah. Um, and then the, the third thing or the, the, the thing that is really, really changing in our industry is, of course, that we have 
sustainability challenges um, and uh, we want to make our production um, process carbon neutral by 2030, which means that the whole process of making steel will change rigorously. So it will, it, it will have, um, it will be a huge transition um, and that also has an impact on the skills that people need. Um, yes. It will be much more about digital, much more about analytics, yeah. That must be a huge challenge. Uh, and obviously, as part of the, the academy, I guess it must be something you're looking at. I guess there's, you know, there's partly developing some of the talent that you've got, but it's also influencing, I guess, how the maintenance engineers of the future are educated even uh, and, and learn some of these skills to so make sure that they're ready for work, that they, you don't have to spend then three years adding skills that they don't learn in education establishments and stuff. Yeah, that's true. But the, the the most complicated thing is that we don't know yet what skills it will be in a couple of years. So if we already knew, then we could have a program ready and, and train them, but we don't know yet. So that's even more complicated to, to sort of find out what it is, um, what they don't know now, but what they need to know in the future or what they don't they cannot do right now and what they what they in skills uh, terms what they need yeah absolutely so that is a big challenge that is a big challenge um but at the same time we do know what kind of technologies we want to use in the future to get it uh, get the production process more sustainable um and one of the things that we try to do is to at least um investigate what the gaps could be so yeah. we create uh, field labs, as we call them. Um, we have now one on, on smart maintenance. So that's that's an example for now, but we will do that. We will build them also around other technologies um, that we will have um, um, on our side in the future because some factories will disappear and we will create other factories with new technologies. Um, and in these field labs, the idea is to actually sort of experiment with the technology, but really then use that to see what the gap is. Because yeah. I think that there's also a lot of skills and knowledge that they already have that they don't need to, um, to learn. Uh, so we also need to find out what the gap is exactly and how we can close it then. And, um, and yeah, it will be very interesting. You know, and at the same time, we have this tradition of educating people in the factories because there are always new installations, there are always new innovative things going on. Um, and because we're quite big, it's also in, also possible for us to organize it. But the yeah, community. huge challenge. And Absolutely. You yeah. some of the, are there any other ways that you're looking at to, to find these skills? And, you know, for example, are you thinking of a kind of build versus uh, buy approach? Um, I think I think we, I think it will be a mix. Um, um, one of the things that that we're, of course, um, we are quite unique in what we use. Um, it's not that there are ten other steel companies in the Netherlands and that there yeah. is a, a steel education. <laughs> um, um, a lot of the things that we do, we only do at our company. Um, and not even other steel companies are doing it because they have their own approaches uh, to make steel. <clears throat> so a lot of the stuff that we um, we do is built because, because we are the only ones that can do it. 
Um, but one of the things that we are trying to do is to find um, a lot of partners that are also working with that technology for another uh, approach and of course steel making uh, to see if there are also uh, things that we can develop together uh, because sometimes the basics of technology are exactly the same it doesn't matter if it's about steel or about another uh, field of work uh, but I think a lot of things will be built yeah by our own yes, yeah. there's no one else working with it yeah exciting time and you're in a really important role in as you know in in the academy to to, to help help that change i guess um it might might be quite interesting to to talk a bit more again more broadly about the approach to to upskilling and reskilling more broadly in the netherlands and i'm sure some of the things that are happening there are, are very much applicable in in other countries as well can you talk to us a little bit about the pub private public partnerships in in the netherlands yeah one of the things although the netherlands is very small as a country we still believe in regional approaches um, uh, as we would be a very small region in america if you compare the how do you call it the, the size, size of the, the size yeah yes the size of a country um, uh, but we have a, a regional economic approach for about 10 to 50 15 years now an economic approach uh, especially have focused on the competitiveness of the region, the innovation uh, in the region, and of course also the labor market and your human capital and how you make sure that you have the right human capital for um, yeah, the regional strength uh, in your region. Um, and one of the things that the Netherlands <clears throat> and also Tata Steel in our region did was um, 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 trying to work more closely together in the region. Um, um, in the Netherlands, we call it public-private partnerships. Um, um, and there has been a real impulse from, from the government as well. Um, of course, Tata Steel has been working in the region with, with partners for years. As we have our company school, for instance, we work with the vocational training school uh, for years and years already as a structural uh, uh, partnership um, but the past 10 years I think we have been more and more uh, working together with businesses but also local and regional governments um, really around innovation projects so what we want to create is open innovation and related to skills to um, um, and, and we have two main uh, focus points. One is smart maintenance, because that's also a very interesting topic for a company, but also for our region. And the other one is sustainability uh, and the technology that comes uh, with it. And what we try to do in this public-private par partnership is to really, um, what I was just talking about with the, with the field labs, is really together with uh, uh, companies and schools to um, create innovation projects and to really see what this innovation means for the skills of the future. Yeah, and then I think that's great, isn't it? That kind of, you need those three players, the yeah. government, companies, and schools all kind of working together to, 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 to do that. And obviously sustainability is such a, it's an important uh, consideration for society as well. You know, it's, it's something that all governments are trying to do and 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 there's a drive from from citizens and, and and to do that so you know companies are are kind of having to come 
into that into that play. Um, we're coming towards the end of our conversation, Jan, but I'd love to know a bit more about the academy at Tartar Steel Europe. You know, can you tell us a little bit more about the academy and, and some of the goals and, and aims that you have there? Because I, I know, again, from people listening, that they're working in organisations that, that have their own academies as well. And I think it'd be great to, to, to hear about some of the things that you're doing. Yeah, well, what I said before, actually, everything that this involved around training and, and education. Um, we as the academy are, are involved. Um, we believe that with the right training interventions, uh, we have we can create a safer workplace, uh, deliver more quality, um, have a stable production process, and of course have very happy workers. Yeah. Um, um, as I said before at Tata, we have a real learn uh, learning culture. Um, so that really, that was a big surprise for me when I came to the company, but that really helps because people are used to, to learn. They like to learn. They want to learn. So that's, yeah. that's, um, that's, that's actually, uh, uh, yeah, great. Um, and our goal for the next couple of years is to really make a transition in how training is delivered. So I think that we can have big steps if it goes about digital ways of learning, uh, think about VR, but also simulations. We have some pilots already on our side. Of course, also AR that we that we might use. Um, micro-learning, which is not that new anymore, but I think that we can still incorporate it much better. Um, instruction videos, um, and to even reach a higher impact with training. I think there's still a huge step that we can can take and i think that yeah as an expertise organization uh at, at data steel uh about training that is one of the goals that we have to really make steps in, in that direction and another big challenge is of course our labor market um it's harder to find people with technical skills um yeah. so um so we see a bigger role for us also to reskill people with a non-technological background, um, yeah. to make them ready for our um, for our company as well. So that's also in the past we could still find enough people um, uh, for a company, but that gets more and more difficult. Um, so that's also a challenge that we have to to make interesting arrangement for people to really learn uh, the technical skills as well yeah and maybe they also get more attractive because of all the technological changes that we will go through and the sustainability um, that we want to achieve love to hear more about some of the things you're looking into and on around augmented reality because i guess that has a a, a, an, a, an ability to help transform how you deliver training, particularly in some of the more technical things, because I guess that puts people in a real, well, it's not real life, but it puts people in a simulated real life experience. So rather than a classroom, you know, what are some of the things that you're thinking around around that? Well, augmented reality is very interesting to really zoom into an installation, for instance. So to really see how it works from the inside. Uh, one of the things that augmented reality can do is to zoom in into um, a certain area. Um, you can also show inside of an installation when something goes wrong, what really happens in that installation. And I think that's, especially for the maintenance, um, it is very interesting to really grasp 
how the installation is working and what you should do as a maintenance um, uh, employee. Yeah, so that's, for instance, an, an example. Uh, for us, also simulation is very interesting. Uh, so that's not AR, but, but the simulation uh, part, because with simulation, she can really train um, crisis situations. You can never train that in normal life because you're not going to stop the installation or set it on fire or whatever. But if you can simulate it, people, scenarios that happen once in 30 years, you can really train. Now we can't, yeah, in theory, you can say that maybe this might happen, then you have to do this and that. So it, that kind of um, technologies and learning can really enhance um, yeah, the skills of our people. Yeah, and really interesting, because I suppose you, not only can you assess if people have the skills to, to cope in a crisis, but it's also how, how they react. Now, I know it's a simulation, so maybe people still wouldn't react how they'd react if it was a real thing, but I think it's probably much closer to what you can do at the moment so you can see how people collaborate together for example if you know probably it's not one person solving the problem there's probably a group of people and see how they collaborate and problem solve and um you know because that might identify some softer skills that, that that you might need to work on and softer learning afterwards i guess as well yeah absolutely yeah i think so too and also the awareness of of safety that is something that you can also really train also with vr because that it almost feels real mm. if something is on fire or something happens, um, which is much has a much bigger impact on people for the safety awareness than than when you just show a video or um, talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of opportunities there. I think. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like we need to have a conversation in three to five years' time, Joanne. See where, <laughs> see where things. Have, see where we are. See where yeah. things have gone. Yeah. Um, so the final, the final question, and this is one we're asking uh, everyone on this series, you know, every guest on this series, what is the, what is the value of measuring skills data uh, and how should companies approach it? I think above all, maybe, maybe a strange answer, but above all, I think that measuring skills data is the most important for creating ownership. So ownership for the employee, ownership for the manager, because the moment that you know as a manager where you're at and where are the others at um yeah. uh, what your possibilities are um then people tend to take action or and want to do something about it um i, I see it now happen with the rollout of ag5 that digital training matrix that i was talking about before uh, yeah. it immediately creates ownership uh, for line managers they get enthusiastic about the topic but they also want to get all the red icons that that mean that uh, means that the requirements have not met yet they want to get rid of them they want yeah. to make them green so they really yeah. immediately um start working on it and um and i think that above all and above how much it will of course give us data or uh, other people at hr uh, I think it is um, a very powerful uh, thing to to really give ownership to the employee or to your line manager. So yeah. I think that's that's the most important thing. And of course, then for us, it's also interesting with training planning, with efficiency of the trainings, also measuring impact of training, which is very complicated to to really measure, but it at least gives us some in, insight. Um, um, yeah, but, and, and of course, measuring gaps, um, manage the gaps. So it, it gives us a lot of um, 
information that we can uh, and how we can improve. Yeah. Yeah, and as you said, ultimately, how can you use data and visualize it in a way that that drives action? Because ultimately, yeah. that's what you need to do, and it might that might even be behavior change as well. But it drives action. I mean, that's a great example. There's a you know a drive amongst managers to turn those red icons into green. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't hope for better. Very simple. <laughs> very simple, but very yeah. effective. So uh, exactly. very important yeah. in, in the context of, of the work you're doing at Tata Steel as well, for all the reasons that, that, that we've talked about. Joanne, thanks so much for being a, a guest on the, on the Digital Leaders podcast. Thank you very much, David. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe by your podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. If you haven't already, do check out the MyHR Future Academy at myhrfuture.com. It's a learning experience platform for HR professionals looking to get certified in people analytics, digital HR and workforce planning. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter by going to the MyHR Future website. That's all for this episode, but please make sure you tune in next week when we'll be speaking to Tone van der Ver about how ABNBEV is successfully incorporating agile, analytics and AI in HR to positively impact business outcomes and the employee experience. So don't miss that one. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you next time.